We are looking to work hard now. We are looking to improve now. We are looking to have success now. The kids bought into everything we wanted to be about. Obviously, the staff did a great job of implementing the plan, and our kids just went out and they executed. And I think with each week, we got a little bit better, and every time we went out there and played, I think we grew in confidence. And I think that continued to escalate all the way through the year, and we were able to put together the season we put together. Coach Mike Elko is ACC coach of the year. been certainly an interesting weekend as we finally found out where the Duke Blue Devils were going bowling. Hello and welcome to this special in-between regular season and bowl season episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. I'm your host Brian Kennedy alongside Josh Cox, Scott Medlin, Jamie Holt, and producer Justin Sykes. And many of you asked for it, so here you go. We've got an episode leading up to our bowl episode previewing Central Florida in the coming weeks, but we figured we'd talk all things Duke that has happened in the past couple of weeks, that being one Mr. Coach Elko winning Coach of the Year, the Blue Devils getting selected to go to the Military Bowl to play the Central Florida Knights, no longer Golden Knights, and then of course we're going to answer your questions from the mailbag. So guys, go ahead, let's bring you all on, let's jump right into it. We have no comments from Coach Elko uh, yet, we do have some from him talking about the military ball. That will come later on in the episode. But what a way to cap off an 8-4 and four season, regular season that is. Coach Mike Elko was named the ACC Coach of the Year. Some think that he will be in the running for the National Coach of the Year. But kudos to Coach. This was a well-deserved award as he beat out Florida State's Mike Norvell pretty much in a runaway from what I saw from the votes. But Quick thoughts on coach winning coach of the year in his first year as Duke football coach. I mean, <clears throat> well-deserved. Like, to come in and take Duke from three and nine, I think, the year before, and what, two and nine the year before in 2020 because we ended up having a bowl, uh, game canceled because of COVID. Um, one ACC win, I think, over the last however many, two years. Yes, uh, 17 out of 18 losses. Yeah. So – Eight and four, five and three in the ACC. What a, I mean, what a great year! Who would who thought that that was going to happen? I mean, I know I predicted six and six. Everybody else, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> everybody else on here picked a losing record, but you know that's that's neither here nor there. You know, we never thought, and I went low. You know, I should I should have known. I should have went higher. Next year I'm going twelve and zero, coach. If you're listening, so. Um, <laughs> But what a great year. Uh, the only other coach that could have possibly deserved that that award have been Mike Norville, and he had a great year too. Let's be honest. like He had a great year. And you could make a case even for Dave Duran, who lost like however many quarterbacks he lost during the year and was down to playing with like a third-string quarterback and they still – fourth-string quarterback and they still finished eight and four. But Still beat Carolina. And still beat Carolina. So 
but eight and four at Duke after three, four years without a bowl game. We haven't seen any type of real success since Daniel Jones graduated and went to the NFL. Um, coming in with a quarterback who was very inexperienced, uh, had a great year. He put together a great staff. Kudos to Nina for for following through and saying they were gonna they were gonna pay for the best and try to keep the best, and she followed through with that. Just a great year for Coach Elko, and I'm just very proud to be a Duke fan. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, you know, obviously he deserved all the kudos that he's gotten. Uh, he's done a great job in his first year uh, with the hiring of the staff and getting the pieces of place to the puzzle to get us where we are. I mean, Jamie joking about being 12 and 0, we're 16 points away from being 12 and 0. So, you know, so just exciting time. It's a great, it's an exciting time to be a Duke fan. Um, definitely excited for coach Nor uh, Nor um, Elko. I was going to say Dang, great job. By oh man, no, Scott. Was, Scott's going to kick off the pod. I was going to say a great job by coach Norvell in the year he had. But Duke at eight and four over Florida State at anything is a much better year when they were projected to go three and nine and be the worst team in the league. So kudos, congratulations. Glad you're on our sideline wearing our Duke hoodie. So, yeah. Uh, and for all these Florida State fans that are crying on Twitter, guys, your coach has been there one for three years. Two of those three years have been losing records. And now you expect the guy to win coach of the year because he went nine and three in his third year. Our coach is in his first year, first ever head coaching position, and he goes eight and four, one game, one win less than what your coach has done in his third year. Just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, it it, it was definitely an exclamation point to what everything we've seen from April until now. And we're hoping for an even bigger exclamation point at the end of this month to cap off with hopefully a huge bowl win. But just again, just echoing what Scott and Jamie said, I, I don't think there was a coach in the ACC more deserving than Coach Elko coming into the situation that he had to come into as well. This was not a fine, well-oiled machine that Coach Elko – I mean, he inherited problems. Let's just be real, guys. He inherited not a mess, but some problems to work out, and they worked out quickly, him and his staff, these problems between April and August – and it showed that first game against Temple. So my hope is, is that they take this, they take the momentum into next season. And one thing about Coach Elko, if you haven't figured it out, he never accepts personal praise. It's all about the team. It's all about the staff. And I got to give him, you know, kudos on that because some coaches, it's that me mentality. Well, I did this. Well, I did that. Well, this happened because of me. Coach Elko, every single time, they, they do something that they haven't done in a long time. He wins an award. It's all about it, if, if it wasn't for the team, I wouldn't be in this position. We wouldn't have done this. We wouldn't have done that. So, again, great way to cap off the regular season, Coach. Eight and four season. Looking forward to getting that ninth win here in a few weeks. Yeah, I just looked up a stat, guys. I think this is pretty incredible. <clears throat> I think more, more important to me than the eight and four final record is the five and three record in the conference. And so this is pretty incredible. From November the 10th, 2018, until the end of the 2021 
season. That's how long it took Duke to win five games in the ACC. Three years. And then we've won five games in this season. So that's a that's ridiculous. Should have been seven. <laughs> yes. Should have been seven. But um that's a that's an incredible number to think that legitimately 2018, 2019, 2020, 21. So it's close to four. It's more than three years. It's three years and one, two, three, four games into the fourth season that it took uh, for Duke to win five games in the ACC before that. And so uh, kudos to Coach Elko. I will say this too. Um, He did a remarkable job of recruiting uh, the men to, to coach under him. Um, it seems like that these position coaches have bought in, and it seems like obviously the players have bought into their position coaches. Uh, just earlier this week, Harlan Beller was uh, on the 35, the AFCA 35 under 35 uh, award winner. Uh, he's there on the D-line working with those guys. Just, you know, I mean, we're going to see Rob Smith's name thrown around. You're going to see, you know, Kevin John's name thrown around, among others. Um, but just a great job with that. And you guys have already mentioned Mike Norvell, but just an honest shout out there, like the turnaround that he is leading in Tallahassee, had there not been a Mike Elko this year, it's definitely Mike Norvell. I mean, and we are going to Tallahassee next year on the road. Um, we'll get to see uh, his program up close and personal, but kudos to him. And then the, my final shout out to Coach Elko is this. <clears throat> it's not just his first year at Duke. Um, it's his first year ever being a head coach. And like most guys, like there takes time to like figure out how you're going to run your program and how you want to do all the behind the scenes things this year, guys, that we've been able to kind of watch or like be a part of and see. Um, he's figured it out so quickly. And so I give him just kudos for that. It's just been an incredible season. Um, done a great job. Looking forward to seeing what we do in the bowl game. We've heard yeah. several guys <clears> – <throat> This year, I, we've mentioned this before. Several guys mentioned Coach Elko's football IQ, and you can see it on the field, like in the in-game adjustments when we're we, we're down, uh, but we come back. We make some adjustments. We come back, and Scott mentioned this. We could have easily been eight and zero in the ACC. Easily, instead of five and three, it could have been eight and zero. Like, and we could have been the ones in Charlotte playing Clemson, which we would have we would have played a better game. Speaking of Florida State, 25 seconds ago, according to 24-7 Sports, Jordan Travis announces he is returning to Tallahassee. So one of, the, one of the two returning quarterbacks who finished ahead of Riley Leonard in the all-conference uh, awards, uh, he and Drake May, uh, Jordan Travis, will be returning. So that's, that's some breaking news true. for you on this podcast. You'll see it by the time the podcast releases. It's, it's but hey, officially official, happening. right? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's official. We saw it from a, <laughs> an, an official account. So. Oh, Actually, man. I'm sorry. Let me put it this way. Sources at 24-7 Sports say <laughs> that Jordan Travis is returning. We not have not yet team. seen the official yeah. press release from 1993 uh, that evidently we wait on from Florida State University. <laughs> we lasted uh, 12 minutes, guys. Congratulations before uh, throwing that in there. So, well, we, we can – yeah, we could dedicate a whole episode to coach winning uh, the coach of the year, but we got to move on, fellas. We've got 23 days as of this recording, December 28th, two o'clock kickoff. Duke is heading to the 
Military Bowl. The first time the Blue Devils have ever gone to the Military Bowl. I can't even say it. I'm so excited. And before we discuss our thoughts on Duke heading to Annapolis to play the Knights, the Knights, not the Golden Knights of Central Florida, Coach Elko actually held a press conference on Sunday to give his thoughts on Duke being selected to the Military Bowl. First of all, thanks to Steve and his team uh, for selecting us and giving us this opportunity. Uh, we're really excited to represent Duke in the Military Bowl. Uh, I've been through this experience before, and you know, Steve kind of hit on it. It's a really unique bowl in just how it um, represents the armed forces, how it kind of pays tribute to the military and, and the different members of our armed services that serve this nation. And then kind of linking Washington, D.C. and Annapolis together in the bowl experience is, is really unique. And so we're really excited for it. Uh, our team's excited. We're excited to get up there and kind of put our best foot forward uh, to represent Duke football. And then obviously have a lot of respect for the UCF program, certainly a program that has been on the national stage uh, over the years uh, and, and has been a team that has been in the center of these, you know, New Year's Six Bowl games and, and spotlights come bowl season for the last five, six, seven years. And so, um, you know, a lot of respect for their program, the tradition of their program. Uh, certainly got a lot of respect for Coach Melzahn, you know, went against him when he was the head coach at Auburn in my early years at A&M. And so know what kind of program he runs, um, certainly the type of offense that he runs. And so, you know, we'll dive in and, and start doing a deep dive into their program and their players. But, you know, just on the surface, I think it's a great matchup for our university in our football team, you know, and then obviously we're, we're motivated to go out and finish this thing the right way uh, and finish bowl season with a championship ring. And that's kind of our motive. And that was head coach Mike Elko giving his thoughts on the team heading to the military bowl to take on the Central Florida Knights. And I'm, guys, I'm very excited. You know, I'm just going to go out there and say there were some fans out there who were disappointed with the selection, but I mean, selfishly, we're close to home. It's about a four-and-a-half-hour drive. Josh is flying in. He's got the perks of being with in-laws up in Detroit. So, you know, he gets the the first-class treatment. But let's dive into it. Overall thoughts, uh, this is not the preview episode for Central Florida before we get into it. We just want to give our initial thoughts, and in a couple of weeks, we will have our usual preview episode for our opponent. But let's dive into that and also – any ACC teams that were selected maybe that surprised you for the bowl game that they went to? Who wants to start us out? I'll start us out. I just have to start it out by saying this, crab cakes and football. That's what Maryland does. So if you get that reference, we can be friends. If you don't get that reference, we may not, but it's okay. Um, I also want to give a shout out to our uh, to our podcast bowlatologist, <laughs> uh, one Brian Kennedy Lenardi, who uh, – in all seriousness, each one of us brings unique things to this podcast. And one of the things Brian brings is his sometimes his severe OCD and like deep dives <laughs> and obsessing over things. And no argument is, there. But this is this is one of those times where he really did a deep dive on that process. And dag on it, if a day was it a day before Brian? Was it Saturday? It was Saturday, an hour before the first conference title game kicked off. Okay, so uh, like eleven first, o'clock. Yeah, yeah. So Saturday morning, Brian put out what he thought his projections would be for the ACC, and my man hit it on the nose. And so, um, once again, that was just our projections. Uh, but I, but Brian got them hundred percent. And so we knew this. We knew that there was an article circulating down in El Paso at the local newspaper down there that the, the head of the, the sun bowl 
said the ACC is either Duke or Pitt, period. And so we knew to keep our eye on that, right? We knew and, – and and then obviously there was a lot of people picking Duke and UCLA there in the Sun Bowl or what we would have called the Bobo Bowl. Um, but when we saw Pitt, you know, that was the final straw for us. When you saw Pitt get selected to the Sun Bowl, we absolutely knew where, where we were going to end up. And so, by the way, I get it, okay? Brian mentioned some fans being negative. I understand. Typically an 8-4 and four team – does wind up in the Duke's Mayo Bowl or the Pinstripe Bowl. I get that. I, I completely understand it. But here's the thing. The unfortunate reality this year is there were a lot of teams that finished seven and five, eight and four at the end of the day. And honestly, a lot of teams that have a whole lot bigger fan bases. And here's what I can say to some of you negative fans. Okay. If you want to complain about other schools getting picked over Duke, where was your butt every home game? Yep. Because they're looking at things like attendance and the fact that Duke is getting like 23,000 or whatever on average for home games, um, that doesn't help us. And so fans can complain, but man, if your butt wasn't in the seat uh, during home games, you're not helping our cause. And so at the end of the day, I understand it. It sucks. Yeah. The NC State, in my opinion, was not as good as Duke this year, especially playing Ben Finley, their fourth string quarterback. But hey, if I'm the Duke's Mayo Bowl and I know that. 58,000 people packed out Carter-Finley Stadium every single home game, and they're two hours away. I'm I'm, big, I'm going with NC State all day, every day, and I don't blame them. And so, anyway, those are my thoughts. Uh, Military Bowl is going to be awesome. Patriotic, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to absolutely love the patriotism. Uh, I cannot wait for all kind of the pomp and circumstance of that day. I think it's going to be super cool. I've been on campus there at, uh, um, there at, at the Naval Academy. It's a really cool place. If I would encourage you, if you come in a day early or you get there really, really, you know, whatever time, if you can walk through the campus and just kind of take it all in. And then downtown Annapolis, we'll talk about it more um, when we do our preview episode. But downtown Annapolis is incredible. It's right there on the water. Some good uh, seafood and all that kind of stuff. So looking forward to a, to a really cool time with some Duke fans. Yeah, it should be a, a great game. <clears throat> I'm, I selfishly wanted a military bowl because – I don't have to get. Jamie didn't want to fly. Jamie got I don't his have to wish. Get on the airplane. <laughs> I could. We can drive to Annapolis. We can spend the night, you know, on, on the twenty seventh, and go to the game, and get to hang out. And that was, and honestly, that was a stadium that I want to see. Like you know, people have all said Annapolis is beautiful. I've never been to Annapolis, so that was somewhere I wanted to see. And it's going to be a neat, you know, a neat game. It's uh, Steve Beck, the president of the military bowl mentioned about the flyover and the large flag. They're going to do everything, you know, all the, all the cool stuff. Um, and he also mentioned, you know, when, when selecting and Josh was talking about this Duke's second largest alumni base in the country is right there in Washington, DC, which I'm assuming the first largest is New York. I mean, I, I just assume that New York, New Jersey. It, it's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be. Mm-hmm. So, D.C. is the second largest, so I expect a – Only thing we know is definitely not North Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> North Carolina. You graduate from Durham, you get out. <laughs> I expect a, a pretty good Duke turnout and probably a pro-Duke crowd in uh, Annapolis. Um, UCF is a good team, and I hope some of the people who were disappointed in the bowl game that wanted a P5 opponent, I hope they're not overlooking UCF. Because they're a good ball club. And like like Josh said, we'll get more into it when we actually have our preview episode. But this is a good team. Can, can I make something 
a point really quick that a lot of people are overlooking. If Central Florida had won Saturday and beaten Tulane, what bowl game were they going to, folks? Cotton Bowl. Cotton. Cotton, I believe. Cotton Bowl. Yeah, because that's where Tulane is. Exactly. We're playing a team that could have gone to the Cotton Bowl, folks. And by the way, they beat Tulane earlier yes. in the season. Yeah. Shout out Lummy Young, former Blue Devil. Yes. Uh, at Tulane. Uh, he, and he, he, I mean, he played probably half snaps, half the half or two thirds of the snaps this year. I looked up his stats today. So shout out to him. Scott. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I'm excited about playing UCF here. Um, you know, in, in the Annapolis, excited about that part. The patriotism part of the whole deal to me was the biggest attraction. And, you know, agreeing with Jamie, the four-hour ride's not bad either. But it's a good chance for Duke to sell out the place, um, put a lot of Duke fans out there. And, it's a re- like I say, it's a really good team, a, a really good coach, a quarterback, a transfer quarterback that came in last year that was really good. And, you know, if Gus wants to bring some of that 21 mil that Auburn uh, gave him to leave and wants to leave somewhere we're sitting, I'll happily take a bag or two of it home with me. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, it doesn't matter to me if we're playing on the moon. I'm excited that Duke's going to a ball game. They're playing in a ball game. And that's that's what we wanted for the whole season was for Duke to make it to a ball game. And now we're there. So let's go take care of business. And national media – Please keep doubting Duke if you would. Duke loves that. I think we all do. We've seen that this season so far. So another thing I wanted to point out, and again, I could have gone on a Twitter ramp. Duke fans, we were if if we had not said no to Fenway, the Fenway Bowl because of exams, we more than likely were playing on December 17th in Fenway Park. Don't get me wrong. I would have loved to have been there. If not that, then we would have been in the Pinstripe Bowl as well but it is what it is i I, again it's one of those things to where it's a bowl we've never been to as a team love the prestige of the military folks you might not see me i don't know if you saw my tweet but i'm gonna be (laughs) i'm gonna be in military camo attire duke attire oh sergeant slaughter is gonna be there (laughs) pretty much i might put the camel clutch on someone if they talk bad about duke in the parking lot during the tailgate but overall just could not be happier for this to happen. And the great thing about it is the majority of fans that have interacted with us since yesterday's announcement have said, one, where can I buy tickets? Two, where's the tailgate? Three, where are you staying? So that leads me to believe that the Military Bowl made the wise decision of picking Duke because they know the fan base will travel because it's only a four to four and a half hour drive, at least from Durham. There's some folks from Virginia coming, everything like that. I think some of the biggest surprises for me, and I don't think you fellas really got into it, but I'll just say it really quick. I think the downfall of North Carolina, and I'm not just saying this to bash North Carolina, they were projected to go to Tampa, or I'm sorry, Orlando to play in the the, uh, Cheez-It Bowl, which is the second highest bowl. They fell all the way to the Holiday Bowl. So they're going out to San Diego. I mean, your diehard fans, they're going to travel, but they're not going to have, to me, I don't think they're going to have the turnout that the Holiday Bowl is projecting. Scott, you wanted to say something? No, it was just a shout-out to uh, our guy, Lee, who gets to drive there to uh, Hauler from North Carolina Woo. to Hol- the Holiday Bowl. 
He's so. excited as he can be about it because that's one of the places you wanted to go. So, man, if you're thinking about going for work purposes, that's a great opportunity. Yeah, shout out. Lee's a, Lee's a good friend, and he's he has that contract with UNC, and he's got a sweet rig with Carolina graphics all over it and gets his go to all the road games. And so San Diego is going to be a great – that, that would be sweet, man. That's Not a four-hour drive for him, prob- or a four-day drive, I should say, right? Uh, for Lee? Yeah. It would be a little yeah. quicker. <laughs> Um, highway patrol don't look at the logbooks exactly <laughs> so, so i'm gonna ask this just hypothetically if unc had beat state in the season finale duke would, duke be, would duke be in charlotte yes yep. or no yeah yeah yes. I believe so. yes absolutely and honestly when that game ended i was like i was so happy that state won but then in my in my heart immediately hit yeah i'm like man that really screwed us over so, so, so again, and I know you guys were kind of going on why Duke was a good pick. Was there any games for y'all that surprised you as far as teams going to a certain destination? We all knew Pitt was going to go to the Sun Bowl, or uh, it was probably going to be the pinstripe the, had they not gone there. Honestly, the the what was the the biggest cluster of the whole day was Notre Dame. Oh like, my we're gosh, gonna we're going <laughs> to get there. We got a we got a question. We got a question about that. So. Yeah, so. I would say from my end, honestly, Louisville dropping to the yeah. Fenway. That I mean, and that they had a much better record and a much better season than what people thought they did. Yeah, but to Fenway, not, that's, not enough to keep their coach. But hey, well, the that's biggest a, that's dis- a lateral move anyway. Yeah, yeah I uh, think the biggest disappointment, Wake Forest. They fell yeah, to yeah, a tier two bowl. Mm. Yeah, true. I mean, don't get me wrong. The fact that we beat them at the end of the season was great, but that just killed them. They were also they, they're also seven and five and like a you know a lot of preseason prognostications yeah a lot of preseason prognostications had you know Wake Forest in the ACC title game. Well, they so made they, it to the top ten, didn't they? Yeah, during yeah. at one point they were in the top ten. Yeah, yeah. and they yeah. fell they fell off like a like a rock. I mean, so yep. yeah. So it's gonna it's gonna be a fun bowl season for the ACC schools overall. But again, can't. Can't say it enough. We're just so ecstatic to be going to Annapolis in three weeks. But, again, that's just our thoughts on the Military Bowl. Again, we will have our preview episode on Central Florida here. And probably in the next two weeks, we're still lining some things up. Josh, you wanted to say one more thing before we move to the mailbag? Yeah, we've had a lot of people uh, DM us and talk to us about, um, like, different things about the bowl game. Um, Duke put up a a webpage um, that's strictly devoted uh, to the bowl. Um, you can find out if you call the ticket office, you can talk to Christina, um, our rep at the ticket office, and she can tell you about like hotels that like, as far as like team hotels or like, uh, any hotels that maybe Duke has, um, gotten a special rate with, but I will tell you this, the hotels that Duke Duke has negotiated with are all in DC from what we know. And that's a little bit of a drive to Annapolis. We personally are staying in Annapolis. We are like three miles away from the stadium. And so oh, I will um, say they're probably recommending the, the DC hotels because um Steve Buck even said on that press conference yesterday, and I don't I don't know if I got a chance to tweet it because everything was moving so fast. Um, but he said that all the pre pregame stuff during the week before the bowl was going to be happening in DC. Yeah. So maybe that's why the hotels are they're Saying are there, and it's not it's not a crazy drive, but at the end of the day, it is it's a different city. So, forty minutes is forty minutes, yeah, and yeah, that's exactly. without well, traffic. And forty minutes into DC, yeah, 
could be whatever. So we're staying in Annapolis and feel free. We'll give you more information as we get it. But like, if you want tickets in the Duke section, call the Duke ticket office. If you want to find out where the hotel is that Duke is uh, negotiated with, call the Duke ticket office. They can take care of you. Christina can help you. Uh, we will let you know as we get closer, like what we're doing the night before, if, if there's opportunities to hang out uh, the morning of tailgating, we'll let you know where the hard hats and we'll, where we'll be for that. Um, so I know, like I said, no, a lot of people are asking us and that's just all we know right now is call the ticket office about Duke stuff. And then we'll let you know the details as we get closer about what we're going to be doing. Final thing before we move on to the mailbag, ladies and gentlemen, there is no free parking that I saw in and around the Naval Academy's stadium. And we, we decided to bite the bullet. We bought the $40 ticket, but that's right outside the stadium where we will tailgate. And again, as Josh said, we will have more information as we get closer. We'll probably discuss it more on our season pre or our um, bowl preview episode for central Florida, but better be prepared than not. Just be prepared. You're going to pay for parking no matter where you park, whether it's right outside the stadium or one of the general areas or in and around that. But enough about the military bowl and Duke going there. Let's dive into the mailbag questions. Something that we have done each and every week, probably since halfway through the season. And as always, even with no game this week, you guys have been awesome, both on Facebook and Twitter, and submitted a whole bunch of questions. We're probably not going to be able to get through to all of them, but Jamie, let's go ahead and get this train rolling. What's the first question? All right. Since we mentioned it briefly just a few minutes ago, I'll go ahead and start with uh, Peter Dodge, friend of the pie. Uh, for for the bowl, bowl game podcast coming up, he says, would you care to discuss the issue of Notre Dame football and its relationship to the ACC? What's the advantage of allowing them to use the ACC in football as a side piece? Money, 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 money. That, that, I mean, that's all it is. Money is the 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 in all be all. And back when the calamity with the SEC and Big Ten saying they were going to make super conferences, there was a report that came out that I read that, Notre Dame wanted whatever conference would agree to it, $70 million for the broadcasting rights of their home games. NBC has them right now. I said it on Twitter. I'm going to say it here tonight. The ACC, as far as football, is Notre Dame's booty call. Notre Dame gets all the benefits but does not have to commit to anything. And as you saw, with USC losing in the Pac-12 title, Notre Dame then moved into a slot, ACC slot. Mm -hmm. So that was another thing to think of, guys. Had USC won, Notre Dame would have gone to the ReliaQuest Bowl and all these predictions would have been out the window. It would have changed everything because that would have been one less school. Correct. You'd have seen the, UNC at the Gator Bowl. You'd have probably seen Duke and the Duke's Mayo possibly yeah. or the Holiday Bowl or NC State in the Holiday. Basically, it would have been Duke, Pitt, and NC State would have gone Sun, Holiday, military and some some what's funny is even brett mcmurphy who is not a not a source he's just hey, he just not hey, he went seven, not an official source hey really quick he went source. 78 for 82 for teams in <laughs> their actual bowl games yeah but he, said, he tweeted yesterday he's like notre dame is really mucking things up and they were you know for all for several acc teams and i think duke was included like in that just yep. waiting, waiting to see what was going to happen with Notre Dame. 
Well, they're definitely the friends with benefits, right? Of the ACC. Right. It's like they're not in the committed relationship. They don't they don't have to, you know, they're just the friends with benefits and they we like you. We like you, but we don't love you. Here's right. the problem. Here's the biggest issue with all of that to say this. Commissioner Phillips wants them in the conference. That's the issue. He's gonna do about whatever they want him to do right now, is the way it yeah. seems. And we're gonna have to deal with it, unfortunately. It's like that girl that stalks the jock in high school and really wants to go out with them, but the, the jock's like, nah, you know what? No, nah, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> I know it happened to me all the time. <laughs> Jamie, next question. <laughs> we got a question from one at J Holt915. Who who could that oh, be? <laughs> I think is uh is his name Twitter Jamie? <laughs> yeah. Will is Carolina. This, is this kind ever, of a job? <laughs> yeah. Will Carolina ever win another game? And if Drake we're talking about football or basketball. Game, both <laughs> they've had a bad week. Good day. They're, to be o, they're o for their last seven in football and basketball together. Mind. You ain't got to worry about it. So, yeah. In all seriousness, there was reports, unconfirmed, no, no confirmation that Drake May could potentially head on down to Alabama. Well, you know, he decommitted from Alabama. He committed right, to Alabama, right? Originally. Right. But someone did ask. Right. Bro, it could happen. It, it could, but he, I don't even remember. He either posted something on Twitter or he said something in an interview saying, like, wearing Carolina blue is a privilege or something. I don't know the exact wording of it. Well, but all I know is Mac, Mac Brown said he had a starter. What Scott, you can correct me here, who had 15 different schools reaching out to him, trying to pay him or something uh, to leave. And I don't know if that was Drake or if that was Downs or who that was. I'm trying to think. I'm not sure of any other player on that roster that 15 schools would reach out to. Um, That's the only two I would reach out to. Yeah. So, yeah, who knows? But enough about them. This ain't a, this ain't a Chapel Hill College no, podcast. No, 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 no. Keep right. their names out your mouth. <laughs> we'll, we'll smith you. They can go to hell. As far as I'm concerned, hopefully they lose. Hopefully they lose the holiday ball. So, hey, uh, quackers, Quack, quackers. I mean, Tyler at Splash Obi said, meant to ask this last week. <laughs> this is a funny <laughs> one to me. So, with so many seniors leaving dumb, how will we ever recover? <laughs> <laughs> and the, they're the greatest college football band in the history of bands. Like, the I mean, best thing about the Duke band is when they spell out dumb at the beginning. Um, when they're, I mean, it's, it's, it's like they're owning it. I love it. Listen, all I can tell you is this I have a, a way of rating like the legitimacy of a band. And you know how I do it? How? Count the tubas. Yes. Count the tubas. Like you look at like NC State's band, they got like 15 to 20 tubas. You look at, you know, you Central. look at Florida State. Central, oh Lord, don't even get me NT, started on that. Yeah, all these teams, but then you look at Dukes, and I think this year we had two. Well, there was two at the weight game, so the, you know, they, there must have been some on a vacation. Well, no, I think that's what we had all season. I think oh, we we're okay. a two tuba band, and so that's all I can say. We're gonna have to get. We may have to hit the portal. Yeah, it's <laughs> gonna be a rebuilding year for Dom. We're gonna. I know they're actively seeking tubas, so. <laughs> Maybe we can get a transfer in from NC, yeah. NC Central. Yeah, exactly. Can we get a serious – back on track and get a serious question now? Okay. 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 So, Tyler, again, at Splash Heavy, he says, what do we need to watch out for with UCF strengths, weaknesses? And we haven't – this is one thing we haven't dove into this yet, but Brian sent us a, a link earlier. Their offensive line is 
is really good. And number one in power, it. number one in non power five. Yeah. Yep. They run the football really well. And they're a lot like Duke. Their quarterback leads them in rushing yards. And he he's, has, he's the fourth Plumley. Yeah. He's the fourth Plumley. Yeah. He, he's uh, Plumley. Yeah. He has 11 touchdowns. And they have two other running backs who are over 700 yards. He has 11 touchdowns rushing. Yeah, 11 yes. touchdowns rushing, 14 yeah. throwing. Yeah. Uh, and there's two other running backs that are over 700 yards rushing. So they, they like to run the ball. Yeah. And one of their running backs has 14 touchdowns. So hey. he's not, I don't I don't know if he's a goal line guy. Once again, I haven't had a chance to really deep yeah, dive. We'll dive deeper in that in a couple of weeks. But, yeah, hey, Scott, go ahead. I, I got a side trivia question for you guys. Oh, man. Where did he transfer from? Who? Uh, um, Rice Holy? Yeah. It's a great question, Scott. Only you would know. Power five? Yes, SEC. Florida? Mm-mm. I don't know. I'm going to say Vanderbilt. Lane Kiffy Cakes in Mississippi. Oh, Ooh. Miss. Ole miss, huh? Hotty Toddy. Yep. Okay. All right, Drew Cheshire. Yeah, for little, five. little turnover of starters possible and a difficult schedule. What is our early prediction for number of wins in 2023? Well, I well, said. Yeah, already we already heard Jamie's. I already said 12 and 0. So, 12 and 0. I guess. But, but what seed are we going to be in the college football playoff? You didn't say that. Number one seed. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's, how we, that's how we roll. If anything this year proved that preseason predictions can go out the window, do prove that pretty quickly. I'm just going to say this right now, Duke fans. Next year is going to be. Very tough. Mm. I think we already said that we might have said this off camera and we said it at the tailgate at the weight game of the 12 games that we play next year, the 12 teams, nine of them are going to a bowl game this season. Now you could have graduates, you could have, you know, transfer portal. You could have a whole bunch of items. If we're being honest with ourselves, six to seven wins next year would be a huge victory. With the teams that we have coming in, Josh, you're muted, by the way. Um, because, again, Clemson, State, Notre Dame, uh, UConn, who came on. Josh, you're still muted. <laughs> still muted. At there Florida State. Oh, at Florida State, at Louisville, although they might mm. be rebuilding now that their coach just left. But, again, that's just me early on. As we get into spring ball in April and May, and we head into the ACC kickoff in August, that six to seven could go up and could go down. You just never know. And what I've seen from what I've seen from this year's team and what I've seen from Coach Elko and his staff, it doesn't – there's not a team on the schedule that they're going to be like – that we're going to look at and be like, oh, there's a 40-point loss. Yeah. Like what, what we did the last few years with Cutcliffe, oh, man, there's a 40-point loss. This team is going to come to play. And I think they could get seven, seven or eight wins again next year. I mean, it it's very possible. And if they do that, Nina better have a blank check ready to put on Elko's desk. So that's what I was going to say. If Duke goes eight and four next year, the Brinks truck better back up to Elko Drive. That's all I'm mm. going to say. And there better be enough in that truck for Elko and his assistants. John's if Lane. We, yep. Yeah. <laughs> if we go eight and four, and I know some Duke fans, overly optimistic Duke fans, are going to be like, we could do better than that. And we could. Jamie, <laughs> we could. I'm just saying, if there's only if if we only have four losses on that schedule next year, my man needs a raise and an extension, and and I mean, and he needs 
home fan support and all those things. Seven home games next year, by the way. Seven. Yep, that's my that's our prediction. Go ahead, Jamie, for that next one. I uh, I cut off the uh, cut off the at. So. What player's performance has been the biggest surprise this year? And he says, for me, easily, it's Riley Leonard. And, of course, for me, it's Riley Leonard. <laughs> because, Are you sure these aren't just your tweets that you're reading, Jamie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't know what Riley Leonard could do, I mean, coming into the year. We hadn't seen him hardly any the previous year for, uh, you know, just a handful of plays and stuff. So – we had no clue what we were going to get with Riley. And credit to Elko and his staff. Once again, Kevin Johns and that offense. Man, they really worked their magic. Got Jordan Moore to – that's another surprise. Got Jordan Moore to switch from QB. Are you going to take receiver. all of them, Jamie? Jeez. Yeah, I mean, Jamie, just go ahead and take this question. Did the we'll question say, on. Dear Jamie? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, can I throw a name out there, Jamie, before you before you yeah, take yeah. the ro- starting roster too deep? Um, I got a name. Uh, in all seriousness, Darius Joyner. None yeah. of us knew how good Darius Joyner was going to be. And honestly, how do you really know as the coaching staff? I mean, you're bringing a guy up from, you know, from the, uh, from a, obviously a smaller school, a small division. And he had put up gaudy numbers, but you never know how that's going to translate. And if you really look at it, if he does not possess that leadership that he did this year, he does not fly to the football like he did and almost lead us in tackles. You know, we don't win some of those games. So, I I would – I mean, obviously, I agree with you, Riley and Jordan, Jamie, but I'd throw Darius's name in there as well. Chandler Rivers, too. Heck, yeah, true freshman. I mean, true freshman. He he held his ground, went up against some stout wide receivers, got burned a couple times. But, my God, he's 18 years old. And he's all yeah, he's going to do is Broke the A.T. Perry pass in the, in the final moments yep. of that weight game. And from what we've heard, he is a workhorse and a gym rat. Yep. He's only going to get better as we head into next year. We we've heard that when they have voluntary workouts, he is in the gym all the time. So, shout out Chandler. All right, Jamie, what's next? All right, we got Levi Haynes at Levi Haynes ten on Twitter. With the unexpected season that we've had, will we expect upcoming recruits to have us higher on their radar? I feel like we're really coming together, especially for Elko's first season. So, um. I mean, the answer is obviously yes. Winning helps your recruiting. I mean, you're going to hit that. You're going to you're going to hear that. But uh, just today, um, Ali Jennings uh, is a, a grad transfer from Old Dominion with over 2,000 yards receiving in the last two years. It was originally a uh, West Virginia kid, and um, picking up offers all over all over the country. But Duke's on that radar. Um, just saw that they offered uh, like a mid high four star. Um, earlier this week. And so I, I definitely, here's the thing. We may not get these guys, but I think we are going to be in more final five lists and we're going to be on the radar. And, 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 and let me, let's just make sure we understand this as Duke fans. We would rather have a hungry three-star recruit willing to work and willing to improve and willing to put the time and effort in than an entitled five-star recruit. There are five-star recruits hitting the portal like crazy because they couldn't make their way on a field or, or whatever. So uh, we will we will recruit probably a better player or more athleticism. But at the end of the day, um, we have to make sure we do that the right way. You want the right kind of kid at Duke, and um, and so that's the challenge. That's a challenge for Coach Elko and the staff. 
All right. At Duke Report on Twitter. Looking back over the season, what is everyone's favorite game of the season? So it could be home or away. For me, for me, it was Wake Forest. That you're you're not going to say every game, are you? <laughs> it was Temple. You know, I mean, it's not. For me, it was Wake Forest that last game of the season to get the win over Wake and to get to eight and four. I mean that that was huge for this year's team. So I'll say that that was my favorite game, and it was a very entertaining game battle between Raleigh and 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 Sam Sam Hartman. I think Scott fell asleep. Scott, why don't you go next, bud? I'm just trying not to cough my head off so you guys don't have to listen to that for the next hour. Oh, you're good, man. What you got? Um, <clears throat> see, there we go. So <laughs> I would say, to me, the BC game, I guess because that was the sixth win, and we knew we were bowl eligible after that. So that, to me, was one of the exciting – and one of the losses, the Carolina game, that was an exciting game from start to finish. Didn't end up the way we wanted it to, but we knew we could – battle with those guys we went toe to toe and hey we're one whistle and flag drop away from possibly winning that one i'm gonna say the season opener for me temple because it solidified everything that the coach coach elko and the staff put into the players from april until the opening night and let's be honest sometimes with a new coach new program new system that first game is rocky for some teams. We won 30 to nothing. And and, and me and Josh kind of joked about it before the game because I came in saying, I don't know, it's Temple. You know, it's, even though it's not a power five, it's still Temple out of the AAC. And Josh was like, oh, man, why are you saying this? It's going to be fine. But just thinking back, Cutcliffe in his first year went four and eight. Mm-hmm. Steve Spurrier in his first year didn't do that well. Really the only coach – during our lifetime that started well before Elko in his first year was Fred Goldsmith, and that was it for Fred Goldsmith. But after that game, I knew we had something special clicking, winning 30 to nothing. So the first game of the year was great. All the other ones were great, don't get me wrong. But that first game just made me more confident in this team for the whole year. I'll give you mine quickly. I feel bad about this in a certain way, in all honesty, remembering the three uh, student-athletes at UVA who were killed this year, but my favorite win of the season was Virginia. Uh, we really weren't sure if Virginia was bad yet. We didn't know what to expect. It was a home game. Tony Elliott stuck his foot in his mouth a couple of different times leading up to the game. Kind of felt like he kind of took a pot shot um, at Coach Elko and at Duke. And then we came out and absolutely curb stopped. We curb stopped him. And that was my – honestly, heading into the season, I was interviewed – by Freddie Hodges, DukeReport.com, and he asked me what was a game I was looking forward to, and I was like, I don't want to say the Carolina game because everybody's going to say. So I said before the season, I'm looking forward to that game because of Tony Elliott, like the whole is he coming to Duke or not. And, man, if we didn't we, we didn't come to play that game. So that was my favorite game of the season. And don't walk through the team's pregame warm-ups. That's exactly what the Virginia team did. This yep. team loves motivation. Yep, disrespected. So Next. Do a couple more on Twitter, and then I need to get a couple off Facebook too. Yeah, it's so. all good, man. We ain't got nothing after this, so um, keep bringing it. Any murmurs of what or what position we'll look at in the portal? Schedule is a lot tougher next year. What are realistic expectations? Which we kind of already went over that. That was from uh, at Blue Devil two hundred two. So he basically wants to know if we what what we'll look at in the portal and let Josh oh, take this one. Oh, lot. Go ahead, Scott. Scott. Go ahead. I'd say a lot. 
Yeah. Depth, depth on the line would be. And when we have already, I think we can talk about that. We've already got one. Yep. Through the portal. From so Elon. a couple more would be great. Secondary. Yeah, um, secondary, I was thinking. Secondary, for sure. I mean, yeah. listen, we've got some guys who redshirted this year, and we've, we've got some true freshmen coming in as well. But we're losing Speedy and Darius, and we're going to have to we're going to have to dip to dive into that portal again. Listen, as we've said, I feel like a broken record sometimes, but uh, I want to repeat it. You don't lose 11 members of your secondary last season and, and correct that in one year, that's going to take a couple of years of correction. So the portal is going to have to help us. And then, Hey, listen, Duke fans get ready for this. I mean, Duke is going hard after this wide receiver who happens to be a taller, faster version of anybody we have on our team. This tells me that Coach Elko is basically like, listen, we're going to get the best players we possibly can get. So if that means some guys who've got a lot of reps this year don't get reps next year, that is what it is. Coach Elko, I believe, is committed to bringing in the best players that fit our system. And we don't have that big, tall, outside receiver um, yet on this roster. And so, hey, listen, I know all the whole receiving room is coming back except for Daryl Hardy Jr. It almost day, That don't matter. Yeah, it almost makes you wonder – when coach they're going to press the reset button, it's going to be the reset button. No one's guaranteed a starting spot. You've got to earn your spot from April until August. So to your point, Josh, yeah, just because you played all 12 games, started, you know, every game doesn't mean that you could next year. That would be refreshing, honestly, because under Cutcliffe, oh. <laughs> the reset button was not hit. It was, the, it was the good old boys club. You know, It was loyalty, man. It was yeah. loyalty to a fault. Mm-hmm. So our next question it's from Jason Williams, not that Jason Williams. Which white one? Cho- white chocolate? <laughs> or at, Jay Williams. Or Jay Williams. Yeah. At Jason A. Will 20 on Twitter. What does Duke need to do in the offseason to take the next big jump? He said he, it feels like we are way ahead of the rebuild time frame already. But what's next to put Duke over the top? Mm. Uh, I'll give you my opinion, and I won't belabor the point. If we're going to take the next step, we have to identify talent that fits culture. And that's, that's hard to do because I'm not sure that every year there's like a portal guy that has the talent that fits our culture. Right. So like that's easier said than done on the recruiting trail. It's definitely difficult because you're talking to 17 year old kids. Like you don't know what that kid's going to be like when he's 20, 21 years old. And so like, that's difficult, but I think the way Duke takes that step to get to that Notre Dame Stanford level is to is to somehow identify the talent with the culture, and that's going to be the challenge. Next, sorry, right. I, um, I, I'm sorry. I'm trying to be like Jamie and just answer all the questions. <laughs> you uh, want to just ask them too, Josh? Yeah, might as well. <laughs> At Jacob Hagler on Twitter. Hey, shout out! He's a uh, he's relative to the Comfort Mechanical Contractors. What has been everyone's favorite touchdown from this season? So this is a good question. Oh, that's I a great question. I immediately thought of the NCANT game when me and Scott were in the press box, and Big Riley Wayne. Took off, <laughs> Riley took off on the uh, oh the 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 giraffe the the sixty five yard run or whatever. Yeah, the giraffe when the when the speedy giraffe was born, and then <laughs> after the you know, after the fact on the uh, in the press conference, Riley was joking about it and saying, and somebody had asked him, you know, what did they say to you? What what were they laughing about? What what did they think you look like when you run? He said. A giraffe. So, so, so the speedy giraffe and everybody using the giraffe emoji when, when Riley <laughs> runs now is was born. 
Uh, Scott, I know where you're going. Take it away. Uh, Big Wayne, the campaign of the fumble recovery there in the A&T game. That was my favorite, especially because where we were sitting up, up in the press box, the ball bounced perfectly, and you could see nothing but green grass between him and the goal line. And it's really hard not to jump up and down and scream and holler when you're up there knowing that man's getting ready to score his first touchdown in a long time. Yeah. So mine would have been, Brian, I'm giving you a chance to think here. Uh, mine would have been Jalen Calhoun catching the UNC touchdown to put us up 11 with two minutes to go, but there was a flag on the field. Um, I'm going to say the Samir Hagan's touchdown in the final game of the season, Wake Forest, the back shoulder throw to win the game. Uh, as we all had spoken about, Duke had been in that situation in the fourth quarter a couple of different times this season and had not been able to come through. Raleigh put that ball on a dime. Samir had strong hands and saw the catch through. Um, and that was my favorite touchdown of the season. Final one, Wake Forest, Samir, uh, Riley Leonard to Samir Higgins. Mine was John Tavis Robertson's uh, touchdown in the end zone against Virginia Tech. One, because we had been waiting for him to have that game, and he had that game against Virginia Tech. But two, my boys and I were sitting at that end zone because it was Pediatric Cancer Awareness Day, and they got an upfront view and they were even saying that was pretty amazing. So That's I cool. just it, – it was kind of a sentimental thing, but that was – I mean, we were all just screaming. He finally had the game that we've been waiting for him to have. So pretty cool. I have to give an honorable mention. We would be remiss in this season. At the beginning of the season, obviously, we had the, the Jordan Moore move to wide receiver. And I forget if it was the Temple game or not, but the first touchdown that Riley threw to Jordan Moore – it was like, to me, that was like the offseason came together in like this beautiful way. I told you so. Yeah. Ex- was almost saying. Exactly. So that one, that's an honorable mention. It, and I forget what game it was, but the first Riley to Jordan touchdown to me was like, they they're, they were like best friends. They were so pumped for each other. And it was really cool to see. See, I would have an honorable mention there with the Northwestern game where Jordan caught the touchdown where he made the Sunday catch in the back yeah. of the end zone mm-hmm. there. The two feet down. Yeah, the two feet down. That was yeah. a great play. All right. All right, moving on to Facebook. Uh, Kevin Trapani, it's more of like a comment more than a question, but I thought it was a great comment, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it and we can discuss it. We'd all like to play in a bigger bowl, but the real story here is how much better teams get with an extra month or so of practice every year. In a four-year career, it's almost – like having an extra season of practice. That's a key element of how programs sustain excellence. Add to the opportunity to recruit around the event and the swag reward for the players, which is which is awesome, and there's a lot to celebrate. So I thought that was just a great comment, uh, and he's right about the practice, the extra practice. Coach Elko even talked about that in the press conference yesterday of what an advantage it can be. So. Yeah, they're not killing these guys in practice for sure yeah. uh, because that was a question that I had actually asked Coach, Coach Elko, I think, before the Wake Forest game was, hey, looking ahead now that you know you're bowling, uh, how important are those practice times? And he was like, well, we're not going to quote unquote reward our guys for making a bowl game by like beating them into the ground for three weeks. So I know they're they're choosing their practice times wisely, but, man, it's nothing but good. The more our our coaches can be around our players, um, developing yeah, and, them, and, and there's something to prepare for. Feely and those guys, I mean, yeah, heck yeah. And what did he say yesterday, Brian, um, about 
the uh, the guys that they're kind of on snap counts now, guys that have practiced hard throughout the season that they think are, you know, are basically just doing their weightlifting and running and stuff. And there's yeah. other, like, guys that haven't had as much practice time during the season are getting more practice time now. Yeah, and they're also – this is going to be a big time for guys to rest up and heal up mm-hmm. because there are some guys that have been out injured that could potentially come back for the bowl game. Coach did mention that. He didn't guarantee anyone would come back, but said there was a possibility, say, like a Nicky Dimolin or even an Eli Pankle could, could come back just because of the off time between the last game of the year and this bowl game being on December 28th. I would be interested – I would say <clears> – <throat> I would be interested to see, you know, because all the bowl games do this. I'd like to see what the military ball swag is, like the swag bag. Yep. I think that would be pretty cool because it's got to be something, obviously, USA-related. Yeah. And as we've talked about many times, we love the flag. We love the country. And we're all big pro-military guys. And I would love to see something like that and just to and- see what it's going to be. Hey, Josh was talking about my OCD. That is one thing I look for every year to see what every bowl game is giving out to the players. So once that drops, we will certainly post what the players will be getting. Jason Rogers <laughs> on Facebook, excuse me, says uh, he's excited that we've been able to use this platform for Duke football. He said, are we going to put together a road trip for fans to go together? And I'm, actually, that would that's a pretty good idea to ultimately – to have several fans go on the road trip. Obviously, the hard tack guys already do it uh, in the NFL. The Carolina Panthers do it. They have what they call the Roaring Riot, and they they go to every away game. It's, it's, it's a crazy amount of fans that do it, but I'm not sure how many Duke fans would – obviously, the parents travel and the hard hat guys travel, but how many Duke fans are going to go I mean, if you, if you want to pay me to be a travel agent, I'll be more than happy to book stuff for everyone. <laughs> but it, it – it costs. <laughs> At the end of the day, we know for sure we're tailgating as soon as they'll let us in the lots the day of the game. 8.30. 8.30, the lots open. But it, but Duke says sometimes, certain times, they, they open them earlier. But whatever well, time. No, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm talking about the military bowl. No, I know. I'm just saying, like, sometimes they get open early. But wh- however early they open, that's where we'll be. Um, and we're not sure about the day before. Uh, I fly in early on the 27th. And when I say early, I mean early. By the way, shout out to me if or somebody hit me up if you live in South Baltimore and want to pick me up from the airport. But anyway, yeah. um, but then the other guys y'all get in what like early afternoon. Yeah, Josh Pro- is going to be landing before we ever leave. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Yeah. But uh, before I even wake up, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they'll probably those guys are probably getting around two o'clock, and then we'll be hanging out. We don't know exactly <laughs> where or what, but we'll let you know. Obviously, we want to hang out with Duke fans, so. It'll be a good time. Next question comes from our illustrious producer, Justin Sykes. And I kind of feel attacked. I kind of feel attacked by this question. It says, how many times does Jamie Holt trip and nearly die on a daily basis? <laughs> it's a great question. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. But I, I think the equation that we have to go with is how many days does Jamie Holt work in a year? Then we could go off of how many times he falls. Because yeah. whenever he's at the beach, he just magically doesn't fall. But when he's working, it's always fell on my ass today. What in the world? Don't know what happened. <laughs> Creek, Creek Bank one, Jamie zero. Yeah, That's exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, I sent Jamie a T-shirt earlier this week. Instead of New Balance, it said No Balance. <laughs> so, 
Justin Heller wants to know, would Duke have given a better performance against Clemson than what Chapel Hill College did? Oh, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll I mean, tell you what, we'd have fought to the very last yeah. bit. <laughs> if, we're, if we're being honest, whether it was G- DJ Ukulele or that freshman that came in, I don't even know his name. Clubnick, Kate Clubnick. He's great. Yeah. He's Kate, Kate up in the club. Uh, yeah, to Josh's point, I think our defense would have given them a bigger battle, regardless of who the the quarterback was. But oh man, that just stinks to even talk about that. We got Do we have more questions? Because we, we my, need feel, to... my feelings are hurt that he didn't start clubnik, and it would have been two more touchdowns scored. Yeah, uh, yeah true. They would have dropped a 50, 50 burger. Yeah. Uh, if yeah, we yeah, started him about six games ago, they'd have been in the college football playoff. Mm. Oh. Mm. All right, yeah. sorry. This One is more, an ACC uh, podcast. Got one more because Levi Haynes kind of commented on something we already uh somebody had already asked. He's about double UC- dipping, bro. Yeah, he's double dipping again. But sometimes uh uh we had already discussed the UCF. He wanted to know more about UCF, which we'll deep dive into that more in our preview uh podcast here in a couple of weeks. Uh hard hat guys said one question will the section 17 scholars be joining the hard hard hat guys tailgate? And absolutely we will. Yes, sir. <laughs> yep. Uh we have been told that it's going to be an epic tailgate. We don't know what that means. Yes. So let me say this really quick to anyone who is planning on joining us. I did my research today with the whole tailgating rules outside of Annapolis's stadium. It is one car, one spot. So what I mean, what do I mean by that? We're trying to get what I call a convoy together to where if we all show up at the same time, I read the parking staff will do their best to put everyone together. So the more cars we have for the tailgate, the more room we can spread out. So just throwing that out there, Scott. I was going to say, and if you follow what Brian said a few minutes ago, 830 is when it opens. That's when the hard hats will be there. So yep. that's and what us. time you'll have and to be us. there. And, if you're going we'll, we'll to hang you know, out. Like, Cause that's I know there it. are a few lots, right? There's a few lots. There's a blue lot. For the home side, there's a gold lot for the away side. And we're blue. But more than likely, we will probably try to coordinate a meetup before we go to the stadium so that we are all in line. We can all go in together. We can all park next to each other, and we can have a great time until kickoff. Yeah, I would suggest you bring, like, some uh, chairs. I know Hard Hat guys have a lot of chairs, but, like, bring chairs if you've got a, you know, I don't know, six-foot table or something like that. Bring that as well, so. That was our last question, so uh, we can move on. Well, we can move on to shutting down. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! I mean, it's, I'll it's start that fun. Out, then. Yeah, I mean, again, this was kind of just a pop up. You, you folks have been asking for something. They didn't want to wait until the end of December. We get it, and we figured we would uh, give our thoughts on again, Coach Elko winning Coach of the Year, us going to the Military Bowl, and answering any questions you might have had. So, again, thank you for that. And in probably two weeks' time, we will be back with the preview episode for our uh, and an interview oh yes we we will be we will be dropping the merry christmas gifts before santa claus makes it to town that's right so (laughs) we we have an interview later this week and we won't even say who it's with if it's if it's as good as what i think it's gonna be we might just release it on its own It could be good or it could be a train wreck. No, no, no. No, it could either be good or it could be one of the most epic interviews we've ever done. If our idea (laughs) works like we want it to work, 
Yes. Listen, this, all, all, this, this is all I can say. I'm going to tease it, Duke fans. If you have followed Jamie <laughs> throughout this season of Duke football, you're not going to want to miss what we have in store for that interview. That's all I can say. It could be the first and last time we do an interview like this. Could, we can, we can get banned. We <laughs> could possibly get banned from doing interviews with the idea that we have for our interview this coming week. So just get ready. And once again, we may release it as a separate episode or we may wait and put it together with our preview episode. We'll see how it goes. Or maybe even our season ending episode. That might yeah, be We good. can't wait. It's going to be, it's going to be nice. It'll be so, fun. Uh, listen, if you have not already, um, follow us on Twitter at Duke FB talk, follow us on Instagram at Duke FB talk, Facebook. You can search Duke football talk. It's our Facebook group there. We try to stay engaged and active on all of those uh, different platforms. DukeFootballTalk.com is our website where you can find articles and links to different things, including our merch store. And so we would like uh, nothing more than for you to visit that. Elko Era um, equipment is on there, as well as the the National MS Society uh, partnership that we have with Coach Elko and his wife, Michelle. Any of the Turn the Music Up gear that you see on our store, $10 $10 for every item you purchase gets donated to the National MS Society. And so, man, what a great cause. Honestly, the t-shirts and the and the hoodies are sick. They're really nice looking. And so I want to encourage you to grab one of those. Uh, like I said, $10 goes to the National MS Society. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcast, if you would, if we've earned it, would you give us a five-star rating and review? Uh, don't just give us a rating. If you would write out a review, that would be really cool. And then if you're on Spotify, you can leave us a five-star rating. You can also ask us a question. There's a Q&A section now on Spotify. You can ask us a question. We want to thank you there for being uh, faithful listeners throughout the season, guys. It's been a lot of fun, and we do appreciate your support. Brian, take us home. Guys, we completely forgot our bowl projection winners from Twitter and Facebook. I do not have them. Uh, we'll do it next week. Yeah. It, well, not next, next time. We'll, we, uh, we'll, we'll either do that or we'll reach out to you directly. So, yeah, it, again, another episode in the books. It has been a fun one. Be on the lookout for all things pertaining to the Military Bowl, what we're planning on doing with the Hard Hat guys, maybe even a local meetup. If you are coming, please, please, please message, message us and let us know so we can try to get up with you if you're coming the day before. And we will certainly be back here two weeks to preview the night's Central Florida. But until then, for Josh Cox, Scott Medlin, Jamie Holton, producer Justin Sykes, I'm Brian Kennedy, and this has been another episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. Now turn the music up!